We're going to be looking at giving today. And um, full disclosure, it's not my favorite week to preach on. Um, it, it, it feels like I'm being pressurized to, to do a sales pitch. It's, and I did not get into this thing for sales. Um, I feel like I'm called to be a pastor. Um, and so it has always felt a bit awkward. Um, I, With that in mind, I was scouring the Bible for any excuse not to do a sales pitch to you based on this is our vision. You have to buy into it. Yeah, this, is, um, this is what we're doing. Um, and so I looked, and lo and behold, actually, um, probably the way we mainly do it doesn't seem very biblical to me. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to um, try and explain what I came up with uh, from reading the Bible, trying, uh, trying to get out of doing a sales pitch around giving on this, uh, which is Gift Sunday. So uh, we're going to go through with a few nice colors uh, on the flip chart, trying to think, about what is a biblical uh, kind of picture of what it means to give as a disciple of Jesus. So, we're going to start with something. Well, let me let me get we'll get the we'll get the blue one out, and um, I'm going to put up here that our giving needs to come from. A desire to give. This is a personal one, and it's our desire to give. Right, so that is, I've, I've got, uh, what you'll see is I've got two points, something in the middle, and then it will lead into some really practical things. But all of them are found in the Bible. And so um, anybody who tells me I need to do a sales pitch, I'll, I'll refer back to this. So, um, so giving comes from a personal desire to give. Everything that I've been reading uh, in Scripture around this topic is about a personal desire to give. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It makes me think of um, what I don't want to do is try to hold people captive. You know, has, has anybody, it, it tends to be like college students, I think, um, who, who get roped into wearing these t-shirts and then kind of shoving leaflets in front of you and trying to get you to sign there and then. Anybody who's in London often will find those people, guilting them into, into things. That is not um, a picture of giving within the church. It's not taking people captive and trying to harass them into giving. It is what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So to add to that cheer, we'll, we'll put, um, put cheerful down here. It's two E's, right? Yeah. Great. And that, that tracks perfectly with the verse that we looked at today already that Mary read out to us. There is nothing about that, that, um, that story of the woman um, pouring, breaking the bottle of alabaster and pouring oil on Jesus. Nothing about that looked under compulsion, 
Nothing about it uh, looked dreary or something that wasn't coming from her heart, but it was something that was an overflow of her heart. It was an overflow, and it was um, cheerfully given. And, um, and I think uh, what this passage, at first glance, actually, it, it, it looked like a, 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 it's an amazing passage. Um, but the more I looked at it, the more amazed I was by it. Because one of the things you wouldn't have noticed because we didn't read the verse before or after is that there's this, uh, the technical term is something else, but it's basically sandwiching um, where they put two ideas that are the same and then they put one in complete um, contrast in the middle. And this is the contrast. Before this passage, you'll see the religious leaders are actually plotting to kill Jesus. The one after this passage is about Judas and seeing how much he could get from Jesus. So he's monetizing his relationship with Jesus. And then the religious leaders are trying to kill Jesus. They're plotting to do that. And then in the middle of those two things, we see this beautiful outpouring of love for Jesus. And then in the midst even of that story, you see the disciples um, who would have been mainly men, actually, uh, were sitting around and, and, and uh, kind of pouring scorn almost on this woman's decision. And so you've got the pragmatic pra- um, uh, disciples, you've got the religious leaders plotting against um, to kill, and then you've got um, somebody just trying to get whatever money they can get out of their relationship with Jesus. But then right at the heart of it is this picture of beautiful adoration of Jesus. And she would have, um, I think there's a picture that we could look at um, of alabaster jars, because I, I don't know how often you guys use alabaster, um, but that's, that's, that's what they look like. And so for her, what, what I was reading, for her, likely um, it would have been her dowry or it would have been um, uh, given to her through generations of generations of saving. It's like this, this kind of trust fund uh, that it, it lasts for a very long time if you put it in alabaster because there's no evaporation. But um, it's a one-time use only jar. So you break it and you use it. And that would have been probably the most valuable thing that she had. And she uses it. As an, and it comes from an overflow of the love that she has for Jesus. So, our second point uh, on, on this is um, it comes from a response. It's a response to what Jesus has done. So, let's put response. So, it's a cheerful response to what Jesus has done. And um, we don't know what Jesus has done to this, uh, this woman who's anointed him with oil, but we know that whatever it is, it's made a huge impact on her life. The next thing uh, I'd like to draw our attention to on what it is, and so remember we're thinking about our individual desire to give, our individual response. We're going to go on to corporate in a minute. Um, but it's cheerful. It's a response to what Jesus has done. Um, the other thing is it is a part of the bigger picture. And I'm going to read um, this from 2 Corinthians 8, 
in verse 7 it says, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this gift of grace. Uh, sorry, this grace of giving. So um, in, in this passage, we see that it's, giving is a part of a much bigger picture of what it means to be a disciple. So it's not just something that's done in isolation. It's a part of following Jesus. So I'm going to put bigger picture So we see this list here is excelling in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love. And then giving is a part of that picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus. <clears throat> so that is, um, that's our start at looking at the individual within a community of faith. Now uh, I'm going to get us to think about running out of colors, our collective response. So here we have a collective responsibility. To need. So there's a lot in the Bible that talks about our hearts, our desires um, around giving, that it has to be cheerful. It's something that we do out of response to what Jesus has done for us. And it's also um, a sign of our growing in faith to Jesus, our discipleship. So these are all our individual things that are going on in our lives. <clears throat> but it points to uh, what we do as a collective. And there's a lot that's being said on this as well. And... Um, we're going to spend less time on this than we have on this, um, but it all, almost all of uh, Paul's letters um, seem to imply this uh, collective responsibility to need. Um, there's, not, there's not kind of pithy verses that I'm going to use um, to explain that, but they all imply this idea that we all hold this need together. It's not an individual gift that's just going into a vacuum. We all, as individuals, hold a collective need together as a community. And one of the amazing things on, on the, the uh, graphs that we'll draw, draw upon in the next couple of weeks is actually our sense of love for community and fellowship is hugely strong here. And I, I think that bears out in, in my experience of it as well. I, I love that about us as a church. But this is something that we need to face into, that we all hold a responsibility for how this church is run and sustained. <clears throat> So the one verse I do want us to draw um, our attention to around this is Acts chapter 4, and I'm going to read um, a few verses from it. So this is at the very beginning of the church, and it says, All the believers were, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. 
with great power, the, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put them at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. So there we see um, that 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 collective responsibility to need um, very explicitly um, put and in in all of uh, Paul's other letters it's it's implicit that 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 is kind of how we operate with the needs that we see so within that context um, I want to highlight the the current need that we have as a church and then we're going to go um, towards uh, a, a, a how-to guide uh, to giving. So if we're thinking about the collective need that we have at St. Mary's, uh, we have an overall budget of about 200000 and that includes, the, well, more than 50%, about 69% of that, um, is, is paying for staff costs. Um, uh, there's a, a big chunk, actually I've got it here, but we don't have a slide for it. We, um, six, 59 approximately percent is given towards our staffing costs. And those, it may look like we have a big staff team. We've got um, six, including me, uh, but f I'm the only one on full-time staff. And uh, the other two, if, the other five, if you combined all their hours, would make up about two uh, full-time members of staff. So essentially, we've got three members of staff uh, who are overseeing all of what happens. And Mary works a lot, almost full-time, and she doesn't get paid at all. So we, we do a lot, and a lot of you also support in that uh, way of making everything that we do here possible. But as far as paid staff, we have uh, a big chunk of it goes towards that. We also support the wider church, the Church of England, of which we're a part. We give into that as well as um, there's quite a bit of heating, lighting, and cleaning, and any maintenance of the building that we have. We also give um, about, uh, it's about 5% of all that we have as turnover goes towards our mission partners. And um, then there's all sorts of other ministry costs that are miscellaneous. But so of 200,000 pound budget, we have most, um, the, well, the majority of that goes towards staffing. And what we have right now is we have about a 9,000 pound gap that we need to fill. So that, if we're thinking about a collective responsibility to need, that is our, um, that is our collective need. So, th I mean, if, if, just an aside, if you're a guest here, then think of this as a, uh, a family meeting which you've just stumbled into, okay? So this is family business. You're, you're very welcome to watch, um, but actually this is for our core family. Um, this collective responsibility to need is for people who call St. Mary's their home church and feel that they are benefiting from the community that is here. And um, so if you're a guest, you can just enjoy the show. And, not, and, and there's no sense of uh, ask uh, for you because this, this for us is our need. Not our need as um, 
uh, me and Mary. This isn't our need as a staff team. Um, this is our need as uh, a community. So, so if you don't, if you're visiting today, then um, please take all that in mind. So that is the need which we have. We have a 9K um, deficit. Uh, this year, and um, somebody who's better at maths than I am uh, figured out that if, if kind of the amount of people we have here today and the amount of people that uh, were there on um, uh, the 9 a.m. were to give 20 pounds a month more, uh, then we would, we would fulfill that deficit. And I'm going to talk more about um, the specifics in the how-to guide. Um, but that is the need which we want to fill, and it is uh, doable. Right, so, as I said before, I, I was looking for a Christian response to talking about giving that wasn't a sales pitch. And I've, I feel like I've found one, I've, uh, and, and I believe that this sweet spot in the middle, where these two things come together, our desire to give, and seeing a collective responsibility to need, and fulfilling that, is where we get Christian giving. So there are two important parts, and that's our kind of sweet spot of Christian giving. Out of that, I want us to look at the how. Because the Bible's quite specific about this as well. <clears throat> so we've got Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. And this is about as specific as you can get on these things. And it is um, from Paul writing to the Corinthian church and telling them how to give. And he was explaining a type of planned giving. He said, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So on the first day of every, every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. I found online um, a, an amazing, it was actually very helpful, but I won't go through seven Ps of giving, um, but it, it had planned and persistent and all sorts of things. And it was very good, but planned, we're going to summarize all that in planned. So let me write that down. This is about um, the nature of our giving. It's not, it's not something that we do haphazardly. Um, it's not something that we do under duress. Uh, we've already talked about that. Um, but it's something that we do um, prayerfully, considered in a regular way. Um, and it's something that this all circles back to this section here where we're thinking about a cheerful response a bigger picture um, idea of our discipleship and how we respond um, to our, our call to follow Jesus. So this is planned. It's putting aside something of our money that you've prayed through and understood is the right thing before God to be giving into this collective responsibility to the needs that we have. So the next one <clears throat> is equally practical in this kind of how-to guide. And I think we've only got two um, on that, so we're, we're nearing um, the end. 
But this is all about our ability um, to fulfill those needs. So this is about planning, um, and this is all about ability. And so again, uh, this is the second Corinth, this second letter to the Corinthians, and this is um, chapter eight, verse thirteen to fourteen. Paul said, "Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need." so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it's written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. So Paul talks um, elsewhere all about what we're able to give. So I'm going to put down um, ability here. it two L's? One. Thank you. Um, so if we think of how we do this, um, Paul talks elsewhere of an ability, and you think, and, and Jesus too, um, you think of the story of the, the woman who's given all she has into the, the treasury, and others are giving loads, and he said, this woman has given the most of all. So it's all, it's all about our ability to give. It's not about an amount um, that we are able to give, but it is about the ability that we have within our own means to do that. So if we're circling back again, and we're going to summarize um, before uh, coming to a close, I believe um, this is what Christian giving looks like. It is coming from our heart's desire, um, so therefore it's going to be cheerful, it's going to be um, a response to Jesus, and I think, um, I don't know, I've just been playing with this idea, so it may be heresy, so don't quote me on it. But, but I think um, it, the way I see, if we think the church is um, the bride of Christ, I'm sure they share uh, a, a bank account. Um, the bride, Mary and I share a bank account. It's a joint account. And I think the way I've always seen giving and my response to uh, Jesus has been around giving generously to the church. And Mary and I have always tried to give 10% um, to the church as a response to what Jesus has done for us. That won't be that not everybody's able to do that. But I've always seen the response of our giving to the church as, as a way of giving back to Jesus. And, um, and so, where was I going with that? That was an... Uh, I was going off on a tangent. Um, now I'm completely lost. Thank you, Mary. Yes, so I was here thinking of cheerf a cheerful response, and the bigger picture is um, comes from a place of our heart's desire, and that is about our Christian giving. So we then... Uh, when we're giving in a Christian fashion, we're responding collectively to the need. It's not just giving into a vacuum. It is giving to a place. And that place, um, for Mary and I, we felt that uh, our primary outward giving has been towards the church. Because the church is doing something that nobody else in the world is doing. It is speaking about the love of Jesus to others. And that's the, that's the thing that we want to see most of all uh, done 
um, in, in our lives. That's the thing that we're most passionate about. So that's why we have felt so passionately to give towards the needs of the church. So um, that then is done ideally in a planned uh, way, one that we've prayed through so that we can be cheerful, um, and one that is one we are able to do, again, so we can be cheerful. We're not being bullied into something. Uh, this, this, these two things allow for this uh, to be the, the fact. And the last thing is just this is our need as a community. And each of us will feel called um, to respond in that different ways. Um, and each of us will have a different ability to respond to that. But I would love for us to each pray about that gap and, um, and just genuinely um, pray. Uh, on, this is not a strong arm. This is a, a genuine ask that you would pray uh, that God would reveal to you what it is that he's calling you to give in this. It might be nothing. It might be you have to reduce your giving because uh, you are, are in a really tough spot. And that is, um, that is just as scriptural as is us asking for um, those who are able to be able to give more towards the collective need. So I will leave that with us. As I said already, if, if each of us were able to give 20 um, pounds a month more, then we would easily uh, fulfill that need. Some will be able to give more than that. Some will be able to give less than that. Um, but that is the beauty of us as a community being able to serve each other in that way. But this need is ours held collectively. And again, if you are a guest, um, it's not your need. <laughs> so you're just very welcome to be here. The band's uh, going to come up and we're going to, I think, I think the next song is one that we can um, reflect on. I don't know if now it might be a good time to, if, I think now is a great time uh, if you want to be praying about that question. At the end, we're going to um, hand out some pledge forms if people want to respond today, uh, just so we can get a sense of, of what kind of uh, position we're at and where we're moving towards in our deficit. But um, now would be a great time as we just reflect and listen um, during worship to hear from God what he is saying to each of us. But let me pray as we start that.